How to save for retirement if you're a small business owner or if you work for one. How to calculate your power percentage. And do you say niche or niche? This is Your Money, Your Wealth. Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, six small business retirement plans from easy to complicated. Determining your retirement readiness by calculating your power percentage. And Joe and Al explain how buying expensive cologne online relates to behavioral finance. Now, here are two guys who have really found their niche. Or is it niche? Anyway, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Yes, we are back for another episode of Your Money, Your Wealth. Thanks for tuning in. Got a show lined up for you today. Not a good one, just a show. Good, I like it. That's honest. It is. That's it is. fair and balanced reporting. It is. It's hard to come by. <laughs> you know, I watched a really uplifting movie the other day. Yeah, which one? Uh, Manchester by the Sea. Oh boy, I didn't want to see that one. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> you want to have a barrel of laughs? I uh, I have a friend, a church friend, that went to that and left halfway through. It was too depressing. It just didn't get any happier. No, yeah, you just kept thinking there got to be something. <laughs> Can I feel like an ounce of happiness? Jeez. Yeah, I kind of have to. My, I love movies. I go fairly often, but I got to look at the happiness quotient. I'm not gonna. I don't like to pay twenty bucks and get all depressed. Oh boy. I want to see the lion. You know, uplifting and and uh, hidden figures and and La La Land. That's what I want. Oh my God. <laughs> La La Land. I still haven't seen that. That's uh, pretty good. You would like it, I think. Yeah, I like music. Yep. I don't usually like musical type movies, but I really like that one. <sighs> well, I guess that that'll be on the list. Yes. Um, I you would. know, I watch probably a movie. Um, I don't know. Once every six months. I th- well, you watch it when they come out on. Uh, yeah. Well, you, you, on TBS. T- yeah. <laughs> I was going to say DVR, but you don't have a DVR. Yeah, I don't even have that. You, yeah. So I guess it's. Uh, do you do pay per view at home? Do you even do that? Uh, yes, that's what I was with that's my mother. You, that's how so, you. Yeah. That's how you watch it. Yeah, she yeah. wanted to watch it on Saturday. Yeah, because I know you. You didn't have a VCR, and then now no. you don't have a DVR. No, no DVR. I be- yeah. I got you just got, basic cable. You got a TV with cable. Uh, basic. Yeah. I got like eight channels. That's all I need. <laughs> That's it. Uh, got it. Well, we got, um, I want to get into a few different things today. You know, the markets are pretty excited, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, they seem to be, don't they? Yeah. You know, and I, I think there's some concern there, which I don't think there should be a lot of concern. But um, anytime, you know, markets go really high, really low. You know, there's always this level of anxiety. Right, you know? either direction, right? It's like, yeah, it's yeah. how high can it go? It's too high. Or, or when it's low, it's everyone's thinking, it's going to go lower. Right, and I think it's always boiled down to uh, this this behavioral finance a term called anchoring. And I think I talked a little bit about this before. You have. But, you know, people anchor a certain number. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, a simple example is that if you buy a stock at $50 a share, right, and if it goes down to $30 a share, people will not necessarily want to sell that particular security until it gets back to $50 a share. No matter what the fundamentals are, anything else, it's just that's an anchor. It's $50. I'm not going to sell it until I get my money back. Right. But then on the opposite spectrum, if it goes to $100 a share, they'll be like, wow, this is great, but I think this might now be overpriced. Right. Because they're using their... Yeah, 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 right? Because they're up 50. I mean, and they're using their particular share price of when they purchased it. 
right? Sure. And so I think we might anchor a little bit on what we hear in the media when it comes to the Dow Jones. The Dow Jones, by the way, is only 30 stocks. It's not a great representation of the overall market, but that's all we hear. Right. right? The Dow Jones is up 400 how, points, how 300 points. How did that points. happen? I mean, the S&P 500 is 500 companies, but the Dow Jones is only 30. Right. Well, they're the 30 largest. So, I mean, if you take a look at market capitalization, I mean, right. I think it's, a, it's, it's an okay representation. But it's not the best representation, right? right? It's not. It and, and, it's not the broad market, right? It's not the broad market, and the the, the S and P five hundred still is. You, you want to look at the Wilshire five thousand. So that's five thousand companies. You want to look at a broader. That's more the market. Yes, and then you have to take a look at well, well how's the overall benchmark? And I don't want to get too far in the weeds. I want to get to your great list. Um, <laughs> I know you can't wait. Yes, but when you look at all right, well, the Dow Jones is now twenty one thousand. All right, the market was up three hundred points. Oh, you know the Trump rally and everything else. Should I get in? Should I get out? What's going to happen with interest rates? It, 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 this is just noise in the short term, right? I mean, your money needs to last you for the next twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years. So the, all. Of this is going to be a blip in the overall grand scheme of things. I mean, if you've ever looked at the chart of a, of the markets, right? And if you bring out that chart long enough, even 2008 doesn't even look like a big dip. And that was one of the worst markets we've ever experienced. Right. Right? If you bring that market out long enough, if you look from no, 1927, you can't even see it. <laughs> right? 1927 today, it's like, well, where was 2008? It just right. seems like a, a straight line going up. But there was a couple of years there where it didn't feel like it. Oh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and so I want to make sure that everyone is aware that, yes, we are at all-time highs, but I think you have to put things in perspective of what your goals are and what the money's for. The markets will turn. They will go down. Right? And, but what are you going to do when they go down? Right? Are you going to freak out and go into cash? Are you going to stay your course? Are you going to rebalance? Are you going to tax manage? I mean, so that's the true impact, I think, of people's success or failure. But the media is so large when it comes to what they want to put out there. And I think it's a huge disservice to the average investor. It really is. I think you're right. And, and there is this tendency, Joe, to add to the market when it's going up. I mean, of course, right? It, the market works, and there's this this tendency to take the money out or at least stop adding to it when the market's down. I mean, like 401ks, for example, which is it's, it's a really good example of dollar cost averaging, where you're buying a certain amount of shares each each month or each pay period. You know, Each time, sometimes the market's high, sometimes it's lower. Sometimes you even like it when the market goes down because you're getting more stock for the same amount of dollars and so more opportunity. But what, what we see, and even in 401ks, people are adding a lot of money or, or more money in, as, a, as a general rule when the market's going up. And when it goes down, how many times have you heard people say, well, they I've stop. stopped adding money to the 401k because it's a bad time? Right. I, I, I don't want to put you know, good money after bad. Right. Why would I, why would I put my money into the so you just throw yeah. it in the fire. Yeah. Right. right. You're yeah. buying shares of companies and those shares are going down in value at that present time, but you're buying a lot more shares. Yeah, you're buying it cheaper. Cheaper. It's like it's it's about the only time we 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 run away from a sale and we buy it when it's when its price is jacked up. Right. Our minds are not wired appropriately to to invest. Right. You know what I mean? Because then you hear, all right, well here I want to buy this particular stock because I feel it's undervalued. All right. Well, if you actually have that information that you truly think that you know more than the 
the, the collective market, you're either lying or you're cheating, right? Or you're overconfident. <laughs> right? Or, or you're, you know something that someone else doesn't, and that potentially That's, could be insider trading, that right? That could, yeah. And so it's like, all right, well, here, I'm going to buy this stock on sale because I feel that XYZ is going to happen, and I think it's underpriced, and I'm going to make this huge profit. Well, if everyone else has that same information, so I think uh, the collective market does a decent job of pricing securities. It's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I think they do a decent job because of the billions of dollars that trade hands every single day, right? But in anything else in life besides stocks, right? You're like, hey, I want to buy this stock because I think it's significantly undervalued, right? Well, you put another type of product, all right? Alan, I got a, a 7 Series BMW right outside the parking lot here, okay? Right. 2017. It has a robot that drives it. You can have a couple of cold beers in the back seat. It's totally legal. Right? You yeah. can watch your La La Land movies. Perfect. Right? You can listen. Where do I slant it? Right. right? And it's it's beautiful. It's black. It has all these computers in it. It can fly, even. Oh, you fly, too. Right. Nice. Okay? Good. I'll sell it to you for 7500 bucks. Oh, sweet. So, I mean, what's the first thing that would come to your mind if that was actually the case? Well, you'd go, there's something wrong here. Something's wrong with the car, right? Yeah, right. What, uh, did you steal it? <laughs> or is it, you know, the, are you BSing me and things like that? But but that's underpriced, right? right. If you bought it at 7500 bucks, yeah. you would probably make a very good profit on that if everything else was legit. Yeah. It's the same kind of thinking. Sometimes you go to a store, you look at a couple articles of clothes, and you're drawn to the more expensive one because you think, well, this must be better quality. Oh, my God. I just did that. <laughs> it wasn't closed though. It never do this, folks. Um, I uh, I was running low on some cologne, and I the, the stuff that I usually have for years. I, I don't think they make this stuff anymore. Oh, they're yeah, right. You're the last one. I You're was the last. last yeah, I was the last person to purchase this. <laughs> so I'm like, damn it, I can't find this thing anywhere. Right. So I go online, and then I'm like, and I you, you should go to the store and smell the stuff. Sure. Right. So I looked at it. It had a cool bottle. It was like 300 bucks. I was like, God, this, <laughs> this is going to be great. This is like, so you just bought it. <laughs> this is going to be great. Oh, my God. It was like repellent. <laughs> it was so bad. It was like my eyes started to bleed when I put that stuff on. Save it for uh, when summer and mosquitoes oh, spread yeah. around. I, it was, my mother, she's down. I mean, I have a two-story house. I'm upstairs in my bathroom. I put this in, then she could smell it like outside. She's like, oh, my God. I thought a skunk came through this house. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, don't uh, don't purchase um, cologne on, without, on, without this, on the price it. tag because I was like, oh, this has got to be yeah, really good. Everyone likes this. It's got to be good. <laughs> Time now for Big Al's list. Every week, Big Al Clopine scours the media to find the best tips, do's and don'ts, mistakes, myths, and advice to improve your overall financial picture. In handy bullet point format. This week, six small business retirement plans from easy to complicated. If you're a small business owner, this is this is really on you know right on target what you need to know. But even if you're an employee, there are things that you can do personally in certain cases, and then in other cases you may want to educate your employer, particularly if it's a small business, on what uh, plans are available. But Joe, the first one that I'll mention right off the bat, out of the six, is actually truly one that everyone can do, and that's an IRA, an individual retirement account. And an individual retirement account, as long as you have earned income and as long as you're younger than 70 and a half, you can put in $5,500 if you're up to age 49. If you're 50 and above, it's $6,500, an extra $1,000, right? And so let's just say you're single and you don't have a retirement plan. You can put that, let's say your 
30 years old. So you can put $5,500 into your IRA, and you can take that as a tax deduction. So there's something you can do even if your employer doesn't have a plan. Here's another thing, too. Let's say if your employer does have a plan, a 401k plan, that you're fully contributing to. And then you're thinking, hey, you know what? I want to put a little bit more money in. You can still contribute to an IRA. You can double up. It's not one or the other. So IRAs are great plans. You can do a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. That might be on your list as well. But yeah, 6500 bucks. You get the tax deduction if you want to put it in. Grows 100% tax deferred. Uh, there is some income limits if you do have a qualified plan. But if you don't have a plan at all, right? So let's just say that your employer doesn't have a plan and you make $500,000, you can still contribute to the IRA and take the deduction if you choose you to. You can. So here's a few income limitations to be aware of. So this is to start off the person that already has a 401k plan. You can still do a deductible IRA. And if you're single, as long as your adjusted gross income is less than 62000 there's a phase out between 62000 and 72000 then after that point, you can still make the IRA. You just can't take the tax deduction. And if you're married, that phase out period is from 99000 of adjusted gross income to 119. And I'll tell you what, if you're above those levels, or even if you're below it, you might want to do a Roth contribution instead. You kind of have to think about this as, as either or, or maybe both, but it's the $5,500 limit. In other words, if you do a $3,000 regular traditional IRA, you could only do another $2,500 in a Roth or vice versa. Right. Uh, good point. Because it, what, what's funny about these whole s- stupid rules is that if you have a 401k plan, I can fully fund the 401k plan and I can do a Roth IRA. But if I don't have a 401k, it's either one or the other or up to the maximum of $5,500. Right. It doesn't make any sense at oh, all. You, you have to have a chart to figure but, this right. out. So it's like, okay, well, here, do I do an IRA or a Roth IRA? Can't I do both? Well, sure, you can do both, but only $5,500 total. <laughs> I know, right? And then and then there's this crazy rule that for Roth IRAs, if you're single and you make more than $118,000, it starts phasing out your ability to do a Roth IRA contribution. And by the time you get to 133000 you can't do a Roth contribution anymore. And if you're married, those limits are 186000 to 196000 So there's these zones, I guess, of income to where you can take a deductible IRA. In some cases, you can't take a deductible IRA, but you can do a Roth contribution. In other cases, you can't do a Roth contribution because your income's too high, but you could potentially do a backdoor Roth. Now now we're starting to get complicated, right? Whereas you actually put money into a traditional IRA, you don't get a tax deduction, and this only works if you don't already have IRA money, but then you can convert that money, and since you didn't get a tax deduction, there's no tax to pay on the Roth conversion. It's a silly way to work around the contribution rules, but people are doing it all the time. But it's still, let's say this, Alan, is that, all right, well, the IRS is thinking, hey, if you make too much money, we do not want you to do a direct Roth IRA contribution. Again, a Roth IRA contribution is after tax. So it's you've already paid tax on it, and then you drop in $5,500 or sixty five if you're over 50. But, oh, wait a minute, you make too much money, we don't want you to do it. Right. But however, there is no income limitations on doing a conversion. Right? Yeah, that's right. So let's say if you take $5,500 out of your already IRA or 401k that you've taken the deduction already, you could take $5,500 there and convert it, right? You pay the tax on the conversion. It's basically the same, same. Right. So there's no income limitations on conversions. There are income limitations on contributions. Right. So then it's looking at, well, what makes more sense? Does the Roth make more sense or does the traditional make more sense? And our answer is 
both always, right? You want to have diversification when it comes to how you're saving and don't always look for the quick buck today. You might want to do after-tax type contributions or conversions to get more money into a tax-free environment that you'll never pay tax on again. Yeah, I think that's true. And especially if you got a 401k and then you might want to put enough money in there to get to get the employer match. And then you go back to the Roth and maybe do some Roth contributions. So you have some before tax, after tax, why that's important is when you retire your 401k money or your traditional IRA money, you take money out of there, you pay ordinary income taxes, but your Roth IRA, that all comes out tax-free. Even the income and growth, in addition to the contribution, it's it's just a it's a great deal for retirement, and it's, it's a way for people to pay less taxes in retirement when they have that tax diversification. Yeah, but conversions get a little bit more challenging, I think, when it comes to the psyche of the individual, right? Okay, what do you mean by that? As you have to pay the tax, right? If if I did an after-tax contribution, it's like, all right, well, no big deal. Because I've the already tax. paid the taxes. I don't really feel it. Yeah, true. Right? Good point. Good point. And, and so this is where, again, the human mind and finances really don't mesh well together. Because it's the same thing. It's like, all right, well, here, well, I'd much rather do a contribution because then I don't want to necessarily come out of pocket for taxes because the IRS already took the tax for me. Right. You know what I mean? I can't do this on my own. I don't have the discipline, so the, let, let the IRS take it out for me first, and then I'll do it. Versus saying, well, no, I want to control it. Let me do the conversion. Then I can determine how much of that I want to go into a Roth and determine how much tax that I pay. Right. But guess what? April 15th, the following year, you're going to have to cut a check to the IRS to pay the tax to get that money into the Roth. Right. Sometimes people will sure. be like, oh, well, I don't know if I want to do this now. Right. Right. Because it's coming out of pocket versus already having it come out of pocket. It's the same, same, right. but it's just the mentality of you actually having to cut a check. It is, Joe. And uh, I want to review quickly the second kind of uh, small business retirement plan. That's a SEP IRA, Simplified Employee Pension Plan. This is a really common one for small businesses because you can set it up after the fact. You can actually set it up in the following year for the prior year. So right now, you can still set up your SEP IRA for 2016, even though it's 2017, all the way to the due date of your tax return, right? Which for an individual return would be April 15th. And you can extend that return to October 15th. So you can actually set up a SEP IRA to October 15th uh, if you have a small business that's not incorporated. If you're incorporated, the due dates are, are generally March 15th and then six months extension after that is September 15th. Joe, that's a 25% uh, contribution amount for salary. If you're incorporated, it's 20%. If, if you're a, a small business owner that's not incorporated, this is one that's often missed because people think, well, I'm in a 401k with my employer and I got this little side business. Yeah, I'm not side a, hustle. I'm not, yeah, so I, I'm not allowed to do a pension plan. Yes, you are. You can do a SEP. You can't do a 401k all over again if you've already maxed out your company one, but you can do a SEP and you can actually put in, if, you're, if, if it's an unincorporated business, 20% of your profits up to a total of $54,000 in 2017. So if you make a lot of money in your side business, you can put a lot of money away. I mean, it's it's really taking a look at the numbers to figure out what plan is appropriate for you. There's a lot of different plans that you can take a look at, and I think that's why it's very important for you to understand what are your options and what makes more sense. Do you do pre-tax? Do you do after-tax? What's the overall goals of the money? Get social with Your Money, Your Wealth and Pure Financial Advisors. Follow us on Twitter at YMYW Show. To connect with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Google+, just search for Pure Financial Advisors. 
Today, Joe, we're talking about the uh, six uh, different small business retirement plans. And the next one I want to talk about is a simple IRA. And that's that's one that uh, it's a little bit more sophisticated maybe than a SEP IRA. It's kind of like a, I don't know if I want to, it's, like, it's kind of like a poor man's 401k. I'll just say it that way. Okay. How well, about that? Poor man. <laughs> It's because, big wallet on Big Al. Because, because it's really it's e- it's really easy to set up. You you do have to set it up by October first of the year that you're in. So it's too late to do this for 2016, but you could do it still for 2017. So, but it's not too late because what we're in 2017. And it's March, right? yep. so you can still do IRA contributions for 2016. You can still do a SEP contribution for 2016. But that's basically it. Yeah, that is about it. Some of these other plans you would have had to set up earlier. So now we're sort of looking forward. In the case of a simple IRA, we're talking 2017. And you set this thing up, it's it's kind of like a 401k in that your employees can withhold a certain amount of their salary. And that amount is $12,500 that you can actually withhold from your pay. And so it goes into your own, your own IRA, your own savings account, right? And you get to invest it how you want to. And then if you're over 50, there's a $3,000 catch-up. Right, so that means twelve thousand five hundred plus three thousand, so it's fifteen thousand five hundred that you can withhold. That's not quite as high as a four hundred one k. A four hundred one k is is eighteen thousand dollars versus twelve thousand five hundred, but it's not bad. It's better than an IRA, and your company needs to do a match. And there's a couple choices companies have. One is to uh, do a three percent employees match. In other words, the employee puts in three percent of their salary, and the employer has to match that. And if the employee doesn't put in anything then the company doesn't have to put anything. That's one way to do this. The other way is the company just elects to do 2% match for everybody, whether or not they actually make a contribution. I think in most cases we see employers doing the 3% because they don't necessarily have to do anything unless the employers do it. It kind of encourages them to make the you know those, those contributions. Right. Let's say if I'm a, a landscape architect and I have a bunch of employees that might be I don't know, younger, and they're not looking at retirement uh, retirement savings. And so you're thinking, hey, I got five employees here. Maybe one of them might contribute to the plan. The other four won't. So let's just go 3% for anyone that contributes because maybe the other four people won't contribute at all. And because that's money out of the employer's pocket, right? right. So they have to match whatever that that other employee does up yes. to that 3% level. Right. That's exactly right. And, and it's uh, the reason why I like this better than a SEP IRA. Uh, a SEP IRA, you have to contribute the same amount to every employee. Uh, it's an employer plan, right? So in other words, if you contribute 25% of your salary, you have to contribute 25% of everybody else's salary. But in this case, you can put in 12500 of your own money as a business owner or 15500 if you're over 50, have a 3% match, so you get another 3% match, and all you have to pay for your employees is up to a 3% match if they actually do it. And, and we know a lot of people and a lot of employees in Southern California. It's a pretty high cost area. Not everyone has the wherewithal or they don't think they have the wherewithal to contribute. And so they don't. Right. So I guess if you put it in perspective, if you're a small business owner, that sole proprietor, Right. You're the only employee, and you are also the employer. You know, with the plans that we've discussed thus far, the SEP is probably your best choice because you can maximize the most deferral. Yeah, let's say you make a hundred thousand dollars, for example. So you could uh, then put twenty-five. Actually, if you're not incorporated, you put twenty thousand dollars roughly. If you do a simple, it would be twelve thousand five hundred, fifteen thousand five hundred if you're over fifty, and then a three percent match would be another three grand. In that example, would be relatively close. But as you make more money. 
money, it's a lot better to do the SEP. You can get a lot more in. Right. Yeah, that brings up another good point, too. It's like, okay, well, here, what's the forecast of the business? Um, how much are you making now? How much do you project that you will make in the future? Then that's going to determine what is the, the probably the most appropriate plan for you. Yeah, I think right? that's, that's exactly right. Because when, with a simple plan, it's a, it's a straight contribution. It doesn't necessarily have to do with profitability, right? So let's say if you make $50,000, well, 20% of 50 it might be less than 15 grand, right. right? It's 10 grand versus 15. Right. So then you might go the simple route because you can shelter more money and it's not based on a percentage of the profitability of the company. But if you have high profits, then now you got to switch back to the, 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 the set plan. So right. it, it, it's a little bit of homework for you, but I think it's well worth the homework because it can save you significant money in taxes and also really boost your retirement savings. I think so too. And, and Joe, that's what you're, the discussion that you just went through is something that, that small businesses routinely went through uh, until about seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. Because what happened was a, a whole new kind of retirement came out, which is called a solo 401k. This is for companies that, that don't have any employees. So solo, it's just you, right? Or it could be you and your spouse. That's considered one because you're one taxpayer. So a solo 401k means you can set up a 401k for yourself, just like a regular 401k, uh, and you don't have any employees. So now you can do $18,000, right, for yourself. Or if you're over 50, you can do $24,000. Plus, you can do a profit-sharing match of up to 20% of the profits if you're sole proprietorship or 25% of your salary if you're an S-corp, something like that. So that way, you actually, if you don't have any employees, this usually is the, is the best way to go. And it, you don't really have to set up a, a complicated plan. In fact, you can go to any discount brokerage, uh, TD Ameritrade, Schwab, Fidelity. They have prototype plans. They don't cost anything. And basically, you're just setting up, up an account. you got to sign a couple forms, but you set up this the solo 401k account and you can put a lot of money in Right. There's small administration fees, but nothing like a third-party administrator where yeah. you're spending thousands. Not very much. Yeah. 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 You're, you're right. You're right. But it's, yeah, it's not very much. And the reason is, is there's no other participants. Right. So the reason why 401k, traditional 401k plans are expensive for companies is they don't want all the benefits to go to the highly compensated. So there's these top-heavy rules and you have to have an actuary calculate this and it, I don't know if it sounds simple or not, but it's not. It's very complicated and they typically get paid a couple thousand bucks, 3,000 bucks a year to do these computations. Right. Well, a solo 401k, you don't have to do that. So, uh, to put it another way is that, all right, well, let's say I'm really highly compensated. I'm the owner of the company, and then I have a few different employees that are, I'm making 500,000, and my employees are making 50 grand. Right. You know, so it's like, okay, well, here, I want to shelter the most I possibly can, but the, the IRS doesn't really care for that. They want to have equality throughout the employees, right? So, the highly compensated uh, there's these rules, right? So it's just like, well, you can't fully fund it unless the other employees do. So there's actuarial tables to take a look at the census of your company to say, all right, well, here's what you have to do. Then that's where safe harbor 401k plans come into about and everything else in between. You're absolutely right. And, and I will say about the solo 401k plan, and again, this is you have a small business without employees. It could be a side business, right? That's fine too. Uh, but you set up your own solo 401k. You got you to gotta set that up by December 31st of the year that you're in. It's a little different than a regular 401k or a simple plan that requires it to be set up on October 1st. The reason why those other plans require October 1st is they want to allow your employees enough time to withhold from their pay to make it worthwhile. A solo K, it's only you. And you can fund the entire contribution, even your own employee part, the 
$18,000 in the following year up to the due date of your tax return. And I don't think that's widely known. That's April 15th if you're a sole proprietor. Or you can extend. October, I've seen people right. fund their solo 401k plans in October of the following year. And then they've got nine or ten months of activity to figure out, can I really afford this or not? Right. You basically want to put the standard 401k contributions in in the calendar year, but then you have all sorts of time to look at what additional dollars that you want to put in, right? Because I think a lot of times you want, um, well, it depends on the business too and what their cash flow looks like, but we always encourage individuals, especially, you know, a sole practitioner where you might have volatile income, you got to pay yourself first. Right. So you want to make sure that you get in the habit of putting that money into the 401k plan on a monthly basis to maximize that plan. And then when you do your taxes and kind of figure out exactly what the profitability is, then you can kind of monkey with the numbers to see what additional dollars that you can put in in like a profit sharing type plan. So all sorts of different ways to slice this thing. It's really, you know, you could really specifically design it for your, you know, how your how your business is run. If you need a free financial assessment, if you missed an episode of the podcast, or if you're just dying to see what Joe and Big Al look like, visit purefinancial.com. Access the Learning Center with resources, white papers, and webinars on investing and financial planning. Subscribe to the podcast and see clips from the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show, all at purefinancial.com. So, Joe, we're talking about uh, retirement plans for small business owners and and. Just to recap, there's six of them that we're reviewing. We talked about an IRA. We talked about a SEP IRA, a simple IRA, a solo 401k. And a solo 401k, by the way, is your business owner. Or even if you have a side business, you can set up your own 401k if you don't have any employees. But what if you do have employees? Well, then uh, you set up uh, the next level is what you would call a safe harbor 401k. And a safe harbor 401k allows you then to offer a 401k to your employees. And it's not as onerous, if that's the right word, in terms of the actuarial calculations. Onerous? 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 Onerous. Onerous? I think. Okay. Anyway, it's not as complicated. I'll say it that way. Right. You say niche or niche? Niche. Yeah, I hate the niche. Niche. It just drives me nuts. Yeah, me too. The people that say niche. The the hell's a niche? This sounds like quiche. The people that say niche talk about themselves in the third party, I think. (laughs) Joe has this niche. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, I would have to slap myself in the face if I ever said that. Well, you, you, I, I actually did talk about myself in the third party last show. The third person? Third person, yeah. You did? I said, uh, tell him oh, big, yeah, big, big Al said yeah. Oh, my God, that was, that was something classic. <laughs> I knew I would get you. But we're, we're talking about uh, Safe Harbor 401ks, and, and it's, 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 kind of, it's the same rules as a regular 401k in that you can, put, uh, you can defer $18,000 of your salary, or if you're 50 and older, you can do $24,000. And, uh, and then there's a match, and, and the way the match works is um, either as an employer you can elect to do a four percent match uh, meaning that if a if a if an employee puts up to four percent of their salary you have to match it if they put in one percent of their salary you have to do one percent if they put in three percent you do three percent up to four percent they put in ten percent of their salary well you just do four that's where you cap out so that's one option and the other and, and but that's that's only if they contribute the other option is you do three percent to everybody whether they contribute or not most companies elect the four percent because a lot of employees don't actually take advantage of the match and so why put money in if your employee's not contributing so that's a that's a that's a 
common way to go. You do have to set up these plans by October 1st, so it's too late for 2016, but it's not too late for 2017. There is, I will say, there's there's more administration fees on a, on a Safe Harbor 401k as compared to a Solo K. In other words, you, you do have to pay an actuary to do... 5500s, which is the tax filing. Uh, they do certain calculations. It's not as hard as like a regular 401k, but you can probably anticipate, what would you say, $1,500 at least, a couple thousand yeah, maybe tw- per yeah, year? Yeah, 2500 bucks for a, yeah, a good be. firm probably? Yeah, for per year. So these aren't necessarily free. You know, most of the other plans that we've talked about are very inexpensive. So now we're getting to a point where the plans are a little more expensive. Right. It gets more complex with more employees, more participants. Right. There's more, you know, regulatory kind of oversight. They want to make right. sure that these plans are set up appropriately. So it's going to cost you a couple bucks. And I think the downside of this, there's cost of doing business everywhere you go, right? Right. And so then you just have to look at the value of what you're getting. Is like, all right, well, is it can I shelter some money in a 401k plan? I could go Roth or I could go traditional, right? For 2500 bucks. And if you're a small business owner that has multiple employees, I would imagine you could probably afford it. You, you can. I mean, don't be so short-sighted. It's like your tax deduction alone on a couple bucks is going to pay for that you know, time and time again. And if you don't have a, the studies show this too, Alan. If I have a 401k plan and you don't and we have the same income, all right? Same income, same lifestyle 20 years later. Who's going to have more money saved, me or you? Yeah, the one with the 401k. The one with the 401k. Sure. Well, yeah. well, I mean, the numbers are just staggering of how much more that they have. And I think it's unfair with all of these crazy plans and rules that it, they should just come up with one plan, $18,000, $24,000. You can either go Roth or traditional for everyone. Right. You, if you don't want to participate, don't. If you do, do. We should elect you so you can change these laws. I'm going to go on Capitol Hill <laughs> next week. <laughs> so I will say that, um, Joe, when you, ha- when you have a business, whether small business or otherwise, and you actually start making a whole bunch of profits, which, by the way, is the goal, right? <laughs> when you have a business, you want to make profits. Right. And uh, there is a, the, the last kind of retirement plan I want to talk about. It's called a defined benefit plan. Defined benefit plan is completely different than every other plan that we just talked about because it's the amount that you can contribute is based upon a future desired benefit, right? right? It's not based upon a contribution limit. And so interestingly enough, like like right now in uh, 2017, they've got a formula that, that they use for these. And by the way, you have to set this up by December 31st of the year that you're in, right? So we're, it's too late for 2016, but not too late for 17. So here's the formula. Formula, you can use, you look at 100% of the participant's average compensation for his or her highest three consecutive calendar years, um, or 215000 if that's lower. So 215000 is the max for this computation. So that's the maximum that's retirement the, benefit that I can produce. That, that's the maximum compensation that can go into this formula. Got it. Now, interestingly enough, if it's a defined benefit, so let's just say there's a you, you want X number of dollars per month. I won't use the numbers, but you want X number of dollars per month. You want the maximum benefit allowed by law. And let's say you're 60 years old and you're going to have this defined benefit plan for five years where you're going to have to contribute a lot to get the maximum benefit. And we've seen 60-year-olds be able to put in $300,000 or more into their defined benefit plan just to be able to get that benefit that they want. They, you know, There's limits. You can't do 
millions. There's there's upper limits, but under like a four hundred one k where you can put say you're sixty, you can do twenty four thousand dollars plus profit sharing defined benefit plan. Maybe two hundred thousand, maybe three hundred thousand. And by the way, that's a tax deduction. If you're in the highest tax bracket in California with the federal tax, that's about fifty percent. Right. So three hundred thousand dollars puts one hundred fifty thousand dollars in your pocket, and you got the three hundred thousand dollars working for you in your own retirement account. Right. It's huge. It, but then now, um, a lot of it, it's that's more complex. There's a lot more right. work to that. Right. right. But the benefits are gigantic if you have that type of profitability in your business. Yes. Right. And so it's just looking at again, what plan is appropriate for you? How do you set this thing up? And then can you piggyback on different plans? Maybe you want a 401k and a defined benefit plan. Maybe you have a 401k through your employer. Do you do a Roth IRA um, as well? Or do you have a side hustle? Right. Right. A lot of people are getting in the side hustle business. That's right. I'm going to start being an Uber driver on the weekends. <laughs> right? I'll give you a good tip. Yeah. And so, right? So that's outside hustle. So that's outside my business, right? Then I can set up maybe a set plan, all sorts of different combinations. Oh my gosh. So many rules and specifics for small business retirement plans. If that was as confusing to you as it was to me, visit purefinancial.com and click that free assessment button in the upper right to ask Joe and Big Al for some personalized help. That's purefinancial.com for your free assessment. I just got done with the list, Al. Great list this week, buddy. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. It was just very riveting, very exciting. <laughs> it was. I had another one, but it wasn't as interesting. It was the ten ways to prepare for retirement. Awful. And the first one was save. Second one was save more. Know how much you're spending. Third, Third one was contribute to your employer's retirement. You know, it's like. It's like obvious stuff, although maybe it bears repeating sometimes. But uh, Joe, I got this is this is new information here. This is kind of interesting. Hot off the press. Another way to measure your retirement readiness: your power percentage. That's <laughs> kind of like this. It's a new way of computing your readiness for retirement. All right, let's see does, if I'm ready. Doesn't matter what age, but. Uh, well, I suppose it's, it does matter a little bit, but because <laughs> if you're got to read the article if first, you're, huh? if you're 65 and haven't done anything, I'm not sure this will save you with one year. But it kind of give you a sense of am I contributing enough to everything? And so here, here's the formula, the the formula, and this will be this will sound sort of complicated. So I'll I'll summarize this, but just bear with me for a second. So basically, you add up all your your savings per month, but savings is defined as Retirement plan deposits, employer match, so we'll do employer match, college fund deposits, saving deposits, and then mortgage principal payments, you know, because you're reducing... So you're paying off debt. So I was going to ask you that. So are they including paying off mortgage payments as, yeah, as a they're including, savings? they're including mortgage debt. They're including credit card payments if they're cards that you're not currently using. In other words, old debt that you're paying down. Right. The, the ones that... The cards that you pay off every month, that doesn't count because that that's living count. expenses. This is if you... If, you, if you've accumulated some debt you, you, you made some mistakes down. in the past, but now you're cleaning that up. It's so Really? Yeah. So that's a mistake if I yes. bought like a... A fire pit or something on my credit card. Big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then let's see what else. Student loan payments above and beyond interest payments. So there's a lot of stuff here. But essentially, it's it's what you're saving sure. in your retirement plan, plus your employer match, plus any other savings you're making. Plus, and then your debt payments, right? Your, your, your principal payments on your mortgage, what you're paying your debt down. Maybe some old debt, student loan debt, or old credit card debt that you're paying off. Nothing new stuff. The old, so you add all this up. So let me give you an example. So let's say uh, there's a thousand bucks a month going into your retirement. 
account. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say you're paying down on your mortgage about $500 a month principal. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're saving about $300 and you're paying off about $200 of student loans. So add that up, it's $2,000. Okay. $2,000 of, of various kinds of savings and debt reduction. Okay. Then you look at your income. In this example, I've got $7,000, and this is your gross income before taxes. That's how this calculation is. So that's 2000 divided by 7000 That's 29%. Okay, let's see how you did in my example. So the power percentage scale is as follows. If you're less than 10%, you're in big trouble. <laughs> big trouble. <laughs> Uh, you're way too dependent on your income. Relief is not on the horizon because you're not doing anything about it. You're consuming your entire income while not saving money and not paying on debts. If your power percentage is between 11 and 20, you're doing okay, uh, but you got a long way to go prior to retirement. Uh, if you're between 21 and 34, you're living a healthy financial lifestyle. And finally, a power percentage of 35% or higher proves that you're well on your way to mastering your financial life. I think that's a good little sort of quick check to see how you're doing on retirement. So let's say my mortgage payment is 2000 bucks a month. Right. So I have to look at the actual statement to see which is not interest versus principal. Yeah, and you got to look at if you're paying your property taxes. You get that doesn't count. Just your principal payments. So, so this is pretty cool. So I'm going to take a look at my 401k savings, right. my match. Then I'm going to take a look at what I'm putting in mutual funds. Right. Right. Or my Roth IRA. Yeah. You got pretty choked up. Yeah, on I did. That, that power. You, know, you never heard about the power. Uh, the power. Power. Yeah. I just realized I'm a little. I'm not good. <laughs> You need to up that. <laughs> all right. All right. So you take out all your your savings. That's easy, right? I think a lot of people know what their savings. But the debt calculation could be a little bit more complex. But I think that motivates people. Yeah. Right? Yeah, to Is figure that, this out, right? To figure it out. All right. So what are you paying on your principal each month? What? Let's say if you have credit card debt, what are you paying there? So, But the credit card debt is the full payment to the credit card, not necessarily the it's, interest? It's the full payment on your old staff. Okay, got it. I mean, actually, it could be principal. You know, I don't know. If you, if you really want to make this clean, right? But right. Just make it easy. Just make it easy. Take the And, and this is not your current credit cards. It's, it's the old stuff that now you're paying off. You're not adding to it. So then you take that number and you divide it into your gross income? Mm-hmm. Before any taxes come out. Okay. And then you figure out your power percentage. And below 10% is not good. Uh, 11% to uh, 20 is okay. But you got some work to do. 21 to 34, you're living a healthy financial lifestyle. And if you're... Thirty-five percent or higher, you're a master at this. You're gonna be, you're gonna have more money than you know. Know what to do with. I I did, I did my own, Joe. Are you a master? Of course you are. You got big bucks for Big Al. I'm, I'm not a master, but I'm healthy living. Okay. I'm twenty-eight percent. All right. When I, when I did my own check, so I got a. You gotta boost that up a little bit. Yeah, you do. You gotta get sharp. <laughs> Spending too much on my ties and suits, <laughs> uh, vacations, your kids' cell phone bills, college. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, you know, like a couple of things too. I want to talk about with debt. There's a couple of ways to kind of look at debt um, um, to, to to pay it off. Right, yeah. and this is excluding your mortgage if you have a mortgage. Right, maybe you, you have some credit card debt, maybe you have a car loan, um, student loan, and things like that. Right. Yeah. So there's two different ways to approach this, and there's one way is just to document everything that you have. Let's say you have four different credit cards. Okay, 
And then you can either categorize the four credit cards by interest rate, right? So the highest interest rate to the lowest interest rate, okay? And then you say, all right, well, I want to pay the highest interest rate off first and then kind of go down the list from there. So I try to maximize mm -hmm. the highest interest rate payment and then just pay the minimums on the other three. Sure. I like another way a little bit better. Yeah, that's what you just described makes a lot of financial sense, and this is what the accountants out there would do. But I think I think just emotionally, there's another way. Right. So what you want to do, flip it upside down. Look at the balance. Okay. So let's say you have a balance of five hundred. The other balance is two thousand. The other balance is four thousand, and so on. Right. So I look at the lowest balance first. I don't care what the interest rate is. I want to clean this thing up because now I feel a sense of accomplishment. Right. Right. So I'm going to pay that five hundred dollars off. Boom. That's done. I'm over it. Let's go on to the next one. Two thousand bucks. Okay. I'm going to work my way to get that two thousand dollars done. Boom. On to the next one. I think that motivates people a little bit better. Right. To say, okay, here now I'm making progress in getting rid of some of this stuff right. versus, God, I'm just, you I'm know. No, I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not getting anywhere. Because I'm paying off this high interest rate stuff and it's mostly going to interest and I'm not, I'm, nothing's I'm happening. I'm not seeing any movement. And, and then after six months, you go, this doesn't work. And then you just stop it. it, I, it I completely agree. And and some financial planners call this kind of the snowball effect, right? Which is you have, you have little victories and then you start getting the confidence and you keep rolling in. Right. And I, the student loan, right? There's a, people with a ton of student loan right now, what, the Social Security Administration is deducting more money, I think, than ever before out of people's Social Security paychecks, Al. Yeah, I know. And it's going to student loan debt. Right, right. Right? True. And so it's like, okay, well, mom and dad said, all right, well, here, I'll help you with the student loan debt, and I'm going to co-sign on this thing or whatever, and now I have this debt burden in the Social Security, and now my Social Security benefits are getting reduced to pay off that debt. Right. Uh, so you've got to get your arms around this thing, and I think just by looking at it, and, and don't be ashamed of it either, right? You don't want to put your head in the sand and say, you know, I have this debt and this. Well, it doesn't matter. Um, everyone has it. You just have to look at what is the best way to approach it have a plan to accomplish it, and you'll feel so much better as you keep chugging along. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like if you go on a diet, right, and you never lose any weight, you're not going to stick to that diet. Right. True. Because, right, but if you lose a couple of pounds, right, you get a little bit more motivated. Yeah, and you and you start paying more attention to it, and you go, well, this really does work. As soon as you start seeing a little bit of results, it's mm -hmm. like, hey, wait a minute. All right, now I'm going to focus a little bit more. I'm not going to go to McDonald's. Yeah. I'm not going to have that cheap day or two days or three days or whatever it is. Yeah, right. No, I think that's absolutely right. And that, that gets into behavioral finance. And sometimes, and this is a great example of, uh, you know, you, you, you do something that kind of convinces you that this is working. And your accountant friends are probably going to do it the other way, but they may give up because they get they get overwhelmed. It's like, this doesn't work. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it from a true dollars and cents, sure. I mean, yeah, you pay off the high credit card, you know, balance or uh, not the high credit or the highest interest rate off first, because that's what's costing you the most. So you want to get rid of that. But if I lose motivation, if I don't get anything done, I'm going to go in the hole a lot more than if I yeah, give we, myself little victories. We, we just find people give up on it, and that's the problem. So to recap today's show, SEP IRA, Simple IRA, Solo 401k, Defined Benefit Plans, and more. Whether you're a small business owner or you just work for one, there are several different options for retirement savings plans. The important thing is to save. 
Calculating your power percentage, which is your monthly savings and old debt payments divided into your monthly income, can help you determine how financially ready you are to retire. For more smart retirement advice, subscribe to the podcast at yourmoneyyourwealth.com through your favorite podcatcher or on iTunes, where you can also check out our ratings and reviews. And remember, this show is about you. If there's something you'd like to hear on Your Money, Your Wealth, just email info at purefinancial.com. Listen next week for more Your Money, Your Wealth presented by Pure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Your Money, Your Wealth opening song Motown Gold by Carl James Pestka is licensed under a Creative Commons license.